I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Koto, The Last Service, is a new short film that is having its world premiere as part of DOXA, the documentary film festival starting tomorrow, Thursday, the 6th of May, running until May 16th. It is a beautiful film that looks at the closing of a restaurant in Campbell River, British Columbia. Koto, after nearly 40 years in operation. The restaurant closed nearly two years ago, so it's nostalgic seeing people dine in restaurants with people who may not live with them without masks on. It's also quaint to see a restaurant closing on its own terms and not as a result of a pandemic. The Maida family, with Mother Kazue and late Father Tony, have run the business and, as we see in the film, have forged personal relationships with the community, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. The film is co-produced by one of the, the Maida sons, Kenji, who we see in the film. His co-producer and the film's director, Joella Caballo, joins me now. As we discuss, sushi 40 years ago wasn't as accessible or accepted as it is today. And we also note that the film, as lovely and charming as it might be, offers up something soothing, something we need at a time when there's a rise in anti-Asian racism. Joella Caballo is a Filipino-Canadian documentary filmmaker here in Vancouver. Her first film, It Runs in the Family, which she was first on the program with in 2015, went on to win prizes at the Seattle Asian Film Festival and the Vancouver Queer Film Festival. She has uh, since worked on numerous films, including Fixed, which uh, screened at Docs in 2017, as well as On Falling, which uh, played Tribeca last year, and Bob's Biker Bob's Posthumous Adventure, which had wide airplay on the CBC here in 2019. At Joella Caballo is her Twitter handle. Visit doxafestival.ca for tickets for the film and more information. The films this year are available across Canada. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Outline program, Joella Caballo. Ms. Caballo, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So th- this restaurant, Koto, in Campbell River, uh, it closed, um, I guess, um, two years ago now, right? May of um, 2019. Um, Correct, yeah. Watching the movie made me, you know, nostalgic for eating out in restaurants and, and seeing people, and, and um, it, it just seems like a lifetime ago with, the, with, with this whole pandemic. Yeah, certainly. It also it made me nostalgic for hugs. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, just watching... Um, we edited the film in the winter of 2020 mm-hmm. and uh, with my editor, Sean Ando. And, yeah, for six to eight weeks going over the footage and just seeing those those wonderful embraces is so delicious. And, like, it, yeah, made me really miss um, human connection in that way. Yeah. The, the other thing that was refreshing to watch as, as, as I'm um, seeing the movie is um, that this was a restaurant that, that closed on its own terms because, unfortunately... Because of COVID, uh, a lot of restaurants have had to close. Um, why did this family, why did the Maida family, why did they um, decide to close this restaurant after um, nearly 40 years? Yeah, nearly 40 years. Um, I, I think it was a, um, as Kenji Maeda, the, the son, um, mm-hmm. he talks about in the film about how they really t- have talked about their own capacity as a family to to keep running the restaurant. Um, his parents, uh, Tony and Kazue Maeda, uh, they, they opened the restaurant um, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as 
um, Kenji was born in 81, and so he actually literally grew up in that restaurant, and mm. now he's a grown man. Um, and him and his brother have since moved to uh, Vancouver. Um, and so it was left to the, the parents to run the restaurant. Um, uh, Tony Takeo, uh, he had a his health declined and he passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it was up to Kazue to keep running the restaurant. Um, the, the sons, uh, Taigi and Kenji, they, on weekends, they would travel from, um, from Vancouver to Campbell River to help out, really? um, in the restaurant. And, uh, yeah, it just became a capacity, um, issue. Mm. And the, the right kind of opportunity came up, um, for them to sell the, the property. Um, so it happened fairly quickly, but this was a discussion that they've been having for quite some time. Yeah. And as you mentioned, too, that they were very fortunate to have um, that time and space to really honor the community and, and allow them to say goodbye yeah. on their own terms, as you say. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful movie in, in that we, we get the sense of what it's like to live in a little uh, a small town. And um, how this family, how this restaurant has become such a, a part of that community. Um, in terms of, of uh, choosing the people that you talk to for the, for the film, um, because we do get that sense. Uh, you're talking to, to longtime patrons, not just patrons, but friends, really, mm-hmm. um, over the years about um, what that space has meant to them. Um, I guess you didn't have to look very hard to find enough people to talk, right? <laughs> yeah, as soon as they they announced the closure of the of the restaurant, um, I think they gave like about three weeks lead time. They were slammed every mm. day. <laughs> um, people were booking like four times a week <laughs> to come in <laughs> with different groups of friends and family. Um, so I, it, Kenji had invited me and my colleague, Milena Salazar, who was the cinematographer, yeah. to come up for the, the final two days. And Kenji, he, he was working away behind the sushi bar, um, and he would point out to us um, certain um, uh, family friends, um, certain uh, patrons that uh-huh. uh, were important to the community, but as well as to their, their family because they have built such strong relationships with them. Um, so, you know, through Kenji's kind of direction, we um, we kind of snuck in during during or after their meals to talk to folks. And what was um, really remarkable for for Kenji and his family to learn um, after seeing the film is they they've never heard any of these sentiments mm. before. You know, you. Um, you don't really ask people how they sure, feel yeah. about you yeah. <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So it was very heartening for them to hear uh, what the the restaurant and the family meant to the to them in the community. So Kenji might have he co-produced the film with you. We see him in the movie. Um, what did he? I mean, you, you must have had discussions about what the, the movie was going to be about. But but what, what did he want to say? Capture in the movie, especially from from his point of view, because you know, as you said a moment ago, he literally grew up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kenji had um, he he had always wanted to make um, a film about the restaurant, and uh, <laughs> kind of left it to the very last minute <laughs> when <laughs> um, it was. Uh, 
Yeah, so when they had announced their closing, it was now or never, right? So yeah. that's when he had invited me and Milena to come up. And initially, it was really just to document, um, document the space and uh, the community. And over the course of those two days, um, me and Milena and interviewing, you know, half um, two dozen people, yeah. um, we we felt that there was something really special about this not only the, the restaurant, um, but the community itself and what the Maeda family had um, brought to Campbell River, you know, sharing their culture, but also investing in relationships. Um, and so I think that was the kind of the magical part of it, um, that, uh, you know, I, I came up with my own kind of assumptions, mm-hmm. um, being Asian myself and um and thinking what are my assumptions about small towns with respect to how they treat immigrants. Sure, yeah. And I was just blown away by how um, that was not the the, the experience yeah. for Kenji and his family, that they were really embraced and really respected. Um, and so that was another kind of clue for me that I think there's this is, there, this is something here that um, audiences would really be, um, you know, would be illuminating for them to yeah. to see that this actually can exist. <laughs> yeah. You know, when when we put where prioritize relationships. Yeah, and, and so for people listening, as Campbell River is a small town, and it's uh, been known um, as a salmon capital mm-hmm. uh, of of the world. I think. Um, yeah. Um, I guess forty years ago, um, they weren't eating salmon the way that. Um, we all eat salmon today, you know, in, in the form of sushi and the sort. Um, we think back to the early 1980s. Um, it wasn't as, as widely eaten or even popular then, was it? And, and so, th- what, what was it like for them to, to start a restaurant like this in, in a in a you know we're not we're not talking about Los Angeles or, or Vancouver now. We're we're talking about a small town mm-hmm. um, where um, you know it, it it is foreign food, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Um, before um, Tony and Kazue um, opened this, the, the restaurant that we see in the um, in the film, mm-hmm. they had um, opened a, a kind of a smaller um, takeaway place, and they only served hot food. And when they opened um, the larger restaurant, that's when they decided to serve sushi. And even Tony went back to Japan to learn <laughs> how to. <laughs> How to make sushi. Um, and, yeah, it was a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a cultural shift for the community yeah. um, that, uh, you know, people didn't eat raw fish. It was It's not the trend that it is or as commonly um, accepted as it is now. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a, an obstacle for um for Tony to um, kind of overcome. And so he essentially um, would take the local ingredients, the the sockeye salmon, the Dungeness crab, and Mm. put it into a roll and then just invite people to try it without telling them exactly what's in it. Um, And, you know, just... uh, not, I wouldn't say by tricking people, sure, no, 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 no. <laughs> by letting them taste it yeah. first. And um, I think it's a 
really a, a marker of his character that people really trusted him. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and when they found it to be delicious, that's when he revealed, like, oh, you know, that's that's raw salmon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and, and um, the pe- people grew to love it, um, and they missed it, obviously, because Tony was gone now. Uh, mm. but by the way, watching the movie, the, the food looks good. I mean, what did it taste like? Oh. It was so, so delicious, yeah. and I'm so glad to have made a film in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I joke that um, it, there's a, a couple of shots in the film where I'm in like the dark corner of the uh, sushi bar because I'm kind of trying to stuff my face with some food <laughs> <laughs> while my colleague is still filming away. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, even for my colleague, Milena, there was certain dishes that she had never tried before. So oh, really? we were, she was fortunate to try them and kind of bittersweet. It was like, oh, we're not going to try this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this um, film was obviously shot before the pandemic, um, but um, it, it comes out at a time where... Um, you know, there's this rise in anti-Asian racism, mm-hmm. um, and um, the film doesn't obviously deal with that. Um, but as I was watching it, I can't, I couldn't help but think that this was a, the right time to watch a movie like yours. Certainly, um, yeah. Like it was filmed in 2019, and um, I had pitched it to a couple of places, and then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, and there was a rise in anti-Asian attacks. It just really hit me deeply. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that point that, you know, we have this beautiful material that's so heartwarming mm-hmm. um, and affirming that um, I knew then that um, I could apply for the BC Arts Council um, grant to finish the film now with this new lens of thinking of the film as um, kind of a soothing balm yeah. to the violence, um, the historical and the ongoing violence that's happening. And as you say, like, it's not a political film, but it's very subtle um, to watch it with that kind of lens, especially with Kazue, um, who is, who is an you know an elder right yeah. and seeing this community of in, indigenous and non-indigenous people embracing her and celebrating her throughout the film uh it's it's so heartening to see and some some people have commented that it's kind of like chicken noodle soup or miso soup for sure. the soul yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> has she seen the movie she has um and yeah like i i mentioned that there's certain things that she had never heard before yeah. from, you know, people that she's known for many years. And so it was very um, affirming for her. Uh, she was she was emotional about it, but I think it's uh, it really hit deep for her to understand what the, the restaurant and um, their their friendship, their relationships really meant to the community. This has not been a, an easy time for for a lot of people, the, the, this pandemic. And, and you mentioned a moment ago that it, that it, that um, you've um you felt it uh hit deep sometimes um what's it been like to to um um edit a film and and, and put together a film like this during this time i mean it, i would assume that um contact with other people is you know we all have um you know not, not had that in in, mm-hmm. in in over the last year or so as much as we'd like um what does that do for your work in terms of, of making a movie? 
Yeah, it was, um, it, we edited the film in the winter of uh, 2020 with my editor, Sean Ando, and we have yet to celebrate in person. We ver- we edited the film remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something very uh, comforting about having weekly sessions with him over the course of six to eight weeks. And to work with such wonderful material, uh, such life-affirming material. Um, so in spite of the distance and, in, in, you know, the challenges that that presented, um, it was still uh, really, really wonderful to work um, on this on this film um, and kind of live vicariously through that moment and just reminisce about, yeah. you know, all of those embraces, all of those... Um, the community coming together in that restaurant. Um, how do you see everything that's going on around us? Um, how do you see that resolve itself? I mean, you know, we all have, you know, what, what we'd like to see happen. Um, you know, the, the, there's still a lot of um, hate. I mean, it's always been there, but but now it's it's all, all a lot different. I guess. I mean, it's it's more visible, if you will. It's more um, uh, visceral. Uh, for a lot of people, uh, how, how do you see us get get through this all? That is a very big question, <laughs> Joe. <Yeah. laughs> um, I think that was something I was thinking about when at the the beginning of the pandemic, and um, in thinking about the, the violence, and when I I was actually asking myself, like, what can I do as a filmmaker, as an artist, um, as a Filipino um, Canadian, um, as a visible Asian woman, um, what can I do? And, you know, the, I, I think that's, I, that was the easiest thing for me to do, just to think, bring it back to um, my own self. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the the tools that I have available to me. And I was grateful that, that I had, you know, this film and the materials and, you know, there is a, there is a place for, um, comforting films like this for, it might maybe kind of lighter fare, but, um, it is very soothing. And I think that's, uh, what I, I see this, the role of this film, um, cause we are so bombarded with, all of the hate um, that's on, you know, in the news, and it's uh, it's a reality for so many people. Um, so I, I just hope that this film can offer a bit of uh, comfort uh, during that time. Yeah. And you know, that's something for myself and for my community. Um, is just to really think about like ways of how you can take care of yourself um, because. We we all need you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, um, what's to admire about your, your work? I mean, it's not only uh, visually fascinating and, and interesting. Um, uh, your storytelling is, is marvelous. Um, your skill at storytelling is marvelous. Um, is that you, you're someone who has used your voice um, to amplify and and um, to, to to speak out on issues and and to um, use your talents as, as you have in this film certainly. Uh, to um, give us something that, that we we uh, I don't know if we we knew we needed it, but I think we we, we did, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, certainly. 
Well, you're playing. Um, unfortunately, Doxa is not um, back as it once was. I mean, um, it's it's uh, uh, there'll be a little bit of it, I guess, with with, with the drive-in aspect. But um, for, for a lot of people, um, it'll be uh, a streaming affair. Um, but at least uh, people across the country will be able to see the films. Um, you've played Hot Dogs. You've played Tribeca. Your movies have. Um, it's still special to play for a hometown audience, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Docs is a uh, very special festival for me and for Kenji, as I, as I mentioned before, yeah. that he was the executive director uh, for a couple of years. Mm. And for myself, I have screened at the festival uh, films as a producer, and this is the first time to screen as a director. Um, but what I, I love about Docs is that they're very much filmmaker focused and in the, the before times being able to connect with the local community of filmmakers, but as well as filmmakers who come from abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's so affirming to, to meet other like-minded creatives. <laughs> and again, that sense of community that um, yeah. is uh, really, you know, important for me and I think for other um, creative people to know that you're not alone in this pursuit <laughs> yeah. that can be very solitary. Um, and Doxa does a, a wonderful job of uh, building a community like that. What I know that uh, you're in the midst of talking about this movie, and, and this is the, the part of the interview that that I I always ask this question, and I hate to because it, it, it's um, um, you know what, what's next for you? Are you working on something um, new now? Yeah, I'm developing a film about interracial relationships, mm-hmm. and it's specifically between Filipino and Filipinos and white people, and thinking about how uh, these couples navigate race and romance against the backdrop of Canadian multiculturalism. Um, and again, I think this is it's inspired by my own personal experience, but uh, it's a conversation that, again, during this time of thinking about how do we be actively anti-racist, um, that uh, we, that isn't, Kind of in our in our culture right now, mm. but thinking about that in intimate um, domestic relationships, how does that kind of unfold and manifest itself? So it's um, and my hope is that it's a model of how we can have uncomfortable conversations um, about white supremacy, yeah. about love and um, intimacy, uh, and how we you know, how we can do that with our loved ones. It's fascinating. You, you, you mentioned um, that we have to be actively anti-racist. I mean, m- most of us um, uh, are, are anti-racist, but um, w- whether we're active or not, I think, is the operative question. And, and I think that's why we have a lot of these problems that we have mm-hmm. now in our culture and our society, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, thinking about um, Canada and thinking about it as being very multicultural. It's what I'm learning through my research is that it's a, in, in a way, it's a, um, it's an initiative to, to bring immigrants to the country uh, for their labor, um, but it doesn't recognize or honor kind of their history and their background. Yeah. And so it kind of erases that. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think that's how we, we kind of get complicated 
in in this kind of uh well I am anti racist I guess yeah. I <laughs> um I see you but um but I, from kind of the development that I've done a lot of people feel very invisibilized by that sure and is, as I read in in your director's statement uh we don't have the tools or the the, the language even Mm-hmm. To, to start the important conversations that we need to have. Yeah, and like our Canada is just only starting to reckon with the historical and yeah. ongoing violence towards Indigenous people. And, yeah. and so I think this uh, this moment is really unraveling kind of those different layers and how it relates to um, immigrants and people of, of different uh, races and cultures. It, it's a pleasure uh, talking to you again. Um, I'm a fan, as you know, and um, this is a beautiful movie. I can't wait for whatever's next. Uh, congratulations on everything, and, and continued good luck with, with with all of it. Thank you so much, Joe. The website for more is at doxafestival.ca. The film is called Koto, The Last Service. It's uh, co-producer and director, Joella Caballo. Join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.